trusted voice of truth and light. God gave me a gift. I shovel well. I shovel very well. And a rally point for those who've accepted the reality that they are not sheep. We've got a blind date with destiny. And it looks like she's ordered the lobster. This is The Brian Hyde Show. Hey, welcome to the show. Oh, this is going to be a great hour. I can feel it. By the way, our program is brought to you by great sponsors each and every day. MonticelloCollege.org, Pure-Light.com, HSLAmmo.com, the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, and LifesavingFood.com. Now, I have to mention this in interest of full disclosure. I have Kendall Whiting joining me. He is the founder of LifesavingFood.com. And, uh, Kendall, I'm glad to have you on the show. I want our listeners to understand this is not supposed to be an infomercial. This is not, uh, hey, let's talk about your food storage. Although we are going to be talking about uh, food storage as well as uh, being prepared and so forth. For the sake of people who are just getting to know you for the first time, tell us just a little bit about yourself. Yeah, so... I, I live in Southern Utah. I grew up here. Um, this is my home here. I love it down in sunny St. George. Um, I went to BYU for four years and served a two-year mission for my church. And now I'm just living back down here. And I recently opened this uh, food storage company where basically I resell the Ready Weiss brand um, at discount price. And, you know, basically, I'm trying to help people prepare for the unknown in the future. Ha! As if our future has any unknowns. Come on. I mean, everything looks like smooth sailing <laughs> to me. <laughs> I kid. Yeah. I yeah. kid. No, there's, I don't think, I can't think of a time in my life when I've been able to look around and see more instability and, and just question marks, okay? It's not like, oh, it's all doom and gloom. It's just, there are a lot of things that are in motion and a lot of things that, uh, are poised to to cause disruptions. And, and we've actually seen some disruptions. Now that can, you know, sometimes higher gas prices can contribute to disruptions and so forth. But food is one of those areas where I pay particular interest. And, and it's, uh, I'm not a historian, but I'm enough of a student of history to recognize that when you start to have problems with the food chain or the food supply chain, you start to have some very, very big problems. Um, what Stalin did to, uh, you know, 30 million Ukrainians, the Holodomor, he starved them to death because they would not get on board with what he had in mind for them. That was pretty scary stuff. But there have been other lesser things, you know, that didn't come out to, you know, full genocide that nonetheless have, have impressed on me. When your food supply is experiencing disruptions or shortages or out of control, you know, prices going up and up, you got to have a backup plan of some sort. And so I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about, um, about, you know, food prices and so forth. I, I'm just curious as, as a food storage retailer, I assume you're talking to people who are, um, maybe for the first time getting into the idea of, uh, we should put some food away right now while we, while we have some stimulus to work with or while we have some time. What kind of, uh, what kind of comments do you hear from people about why they have finally decided, yeah, maybe it would be a good idea to, to have some stores? Yeah. I mean, so 
sometimes the conversation comes down to, okay, like, um, I like what's happening in society, like with COVID and stuff. And it's, I mean, that's the most common one because it was the most recent, um, essentially the government had four shutdowns on the local level, the state level, the federal level. And those are basically variables out of our control. And what I have to talk to individuals about is, okay, what is within my control? What, what can I do to make my life situation better? What can I do to make my family's life situation better? And when I help them get into that mindset, it's more easier to approach, okay, do I have food on hand in case X, Y, or Z happens? And it's this is one of the there's a lot of things in life that aren't certainties. But here's one thing we can say with 100 percent certainty. You're going to need food as long as you wish yeah. to continue processing oxygen and living life. You're going to have to have sure. food. And and so if there are disruptions and whether it's I mean, a, a couple of well, was it a couple of years, about a year and a half ago, there was a huge flooding in the Midwest that wiped out, you know, millions of cattle. Wiped out soybeans, yeah. wiped out corn and so forth. I think it was Nebraska, especially, that got hit uh, particularly hard. That has impact yeah. on, on food supplies. There, there are strange weather patterns. There are fires. There are, um, you know, the rising costs in fuel and so forth that affect those food prices. I can't think of a single person who, has, who I've talked to about this that's gone to the grocery store and hasn't noticed, ooh, that's getting expensive. So if yeah. it's something you're going to need, probably not a bad idea to make sure you have what you need and maybe a little bit extra on hand just, you know, in case of something unexpected. Yeah, for sure. Like that winter storm that hit Texas and the whole Midwest, basically, um, it was out of the blue. Like people weren't prepared for that kind of weather, especially in Texas. They're like, well, like this is like it's Alaska again or something. (laughs) And I have relatives who live down there and it really affected them because there are a lot of power outages and people couldn't just go to the grocery store. Like they didn't have the right gear to go down the roads and stuff. So people were stuck at home for a while and it, it lasted actually a couple of weeks or so. So it, it definitely uh, affected like the crops down there and the dairy farms and that kind of set them back i think for months to come oh yeah so little things like that will raise prices uh, across the nation and i i know there were um millions of gallons of milk that uh, that yeah. had to be you know basically poured out just wasted because there, there was no way to to safely store them you know without without electricity you know the refrigeration goes out the window and this brings up another aspect of you know okay so i've got lots of food stored up you know i've got buckets of wheat everywhere you look around okay do you have a means of working with you know those those raw materials for instance do you have something to grind the wheat into flour do you have oil with which to cook do you have yeast do you have a sourdough start um something to cook with if for some reason the power wasn't going now see that that quickly snowballs yeah. into something that a lot of people i'm sure would go "Ooh, that's that's overwhelming i don't want to think that far ahead but the yeah. good news is you don't have to do it all at once right i mean when people are getting started for instance as you're dealing with people who are um trying to begin a food storage program 
What do you find that they mm-hmm. tend to gravitate to in order to, to at least get their toe in the door rather than think that they got to do it all in one fell swoop? Um, I think just like starting, like it's baby steps. Like, you know, you've seen the show, what about Bob? You got to take some baby steps. Um, we, we sell, uh, just very basic kits, like a seven day, uh, emergency kit. And just starting with that is something, you know, um, and a lot of, in a lot of cases, like with emergencies in our country, they are short lived, but you know, Sometimes you have those long-lived emergencies like the forced shutdown by the government or, you know, you could have like a really bad hurricane season in the Gulf of Mexico, and that really like devastates the area. There's also tornadoes in the Midwest. There's um, floods all throughout our country. There's a term I learned last year that I had not heard before, derecho which I guess is Spanish for straight and it's, it's straight winds of, you know, a hundred miles an hour. I think it was Iowa that got hit with this last year. Did you see this, this, this derecho Uh comes blowing into town, but it took down, you know, I don't know how many millions of acres of corn because the wind was just simply blowing so hard. I'd never heard of that before, but apparently that's a thing. It's been around for a while, but you know, your point is well taken. There, there's a lot of stuff that's out of our control. We're probably not, uh, we don't need to stress and give ourselves an ulcer, you know, worrying about how can I get the weather to change. I mean, Frank, the politicians are working on that, right? They got this whole climate change yeah. thing figured out. If they can just tax us harder and uh, control more of our lives. Yeah, 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 yeah. They're going to save us. I'm more worried yeah. about the things that I do have control over. And that is, I know that I can put aside stores of food uh, for, um, if, if not even for a rainy day, for a time when I'm going to need it. And as I'm watching those food prices go higher and higher, um, this it's not money that's going to be wasted. It's not like, well, I spent the money on this food and pff, we never even used it. It's like I bought it at the best price that I could. And now that the price is going higher and higher, you know, I'm glad I had that to reserve to fall back on. Kendall, we're coming up on our yeah. break here. Uh, again, we're talking with Kendall Whiting. He is with LifesavingFood.com. In, again, in full disclosure, he is one of my sponsors. There's a link to his website on my show notes in the BrianHydeShow.com. But uh, let's have this discussion. Let's talk about why it makes sense to be prepared. It's not the end of the world we're preparing for. It's simply more life. We'll be back right after this. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. And we are back. My guest is Kendall Whiting. He is the founder of Life Saving Food. You can check out the link on my uh, show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. Now, Kendall, our goal for having this conversation is not to sell scads of food storage. I'm not going to argue if somebody says, hey, I think this actually is a good idea. But more than anything, I wanted to to talk to you because I want to introduce people to the idea that this is not the purview of the crazy guy who lives in a bunker and carries a rifle everywhere he goes and low crawls from place to place because he's so worried about the world coming to an end. Let's talk about the emotional and spiritual benefits that come from knowing that, that you're 
prepared, especially as it pertains to feeding yourself and your family. Yeah, for sure. So like, I think what a lot of individuals will think when they hear the word food storage is, okay, like I need to have stacks and stacks of food storage, and this is only to keep me alive. To um, survive. <laughs> to survive. Like they're like in survival mode, like for years or something. But what it, what we need to touch on is that there's a spiritual and emotional side to being prepared. Um, basically, when we're prepared, we, we can have that peace of mind and live day to day that, okay, things are okay. I have things in order and you don't need to fear about what the government will do next or what your neighbor next door is going to do or whatever it may be. Um, there's also the scripture that I always like to quote in my mind and you've all probably heard it. It's if ye are prepared, ye shall not fear. So I think it's very powerful. Like you can live your life free of any external variables. If we are prepared, um, taking the right steps to be prepared. You know, when you mentioned the the whole um, spiritual and and just the emotional aspect and and how healthy it is for people to to have that sense of of being settled in those areas of their lives, yeah. um, it brought to mind uh, one of my favorite people that I met when I lived in Southern Utah was a guy by the name of Al Cooper, who hosted a radio program called Provident Living Home and Country, and a lot of his focus was on. Uh, participating in what we would call the cooperative arts. So that would be growing a garden, tending to an orchard of your own, basically producing more of your own food. And essentially, and and I'm sorry, this is going to get a little spiritual for some people, but essentially the idea is you are in partnership with God in providing for what you need. And it's, it's the idea that a providential, a provident life or provident living brings God into the equation. It brings your own efforts into the equation, um, the earth, the plants, the animals, all of the things that uh, that contribute to our ability to sustain ourselves and, and feed ourselves. And I mean, from there, it branched off into these wonderful areas. Okay, this person is, uh, is very skilled at uh, understanding um, how bees make honey and different types of honey. This person was an expert on different breeds of apples. And apple trees. This person is an expert on goats or on making cheese from goat's milk and so forth. In other words, it opens up a whole new realm of possibilities that have nothing to do with being dependent on somebody else or dependent on the supermarket to take care of those needs. Now, I mean, it's nice. I, I love being able to go to Costco. They always seem to have cool stuff. But we take it for granted that uh, that's something that will always be so and nothing's ever going to interrupt it. Current events seem to indicate that, no, it, it, it could be interrupted and maybe not a natural disaster, maybe even not an economic yeah. disaster so much as, um, you know, you look at the, that inching back towards lockdowns. That's yeah. the, people may have some decisions to make because places they take for granted. I can go there and shop. I mean, well, yeah, if, if you're vaccinated and if you're not, hmm, what then? Yeah, it, it's so freeing to not be beholding the anyone especially the government right i mean we've all learned how reliable the government is right so it's it brings that peace of mind really it's all about that happiness internal joy and when we are living providently and um you know 
just have everything in order in our life and our finances, like a garden or whatever, maybe we can live free for real. Something you mentioned to me off the air, and I, I, I wanted to bring this up for the sake of our listeners as well, is that we there are things that we have control over. There's a lot of stuff that we don't have control over. And this is one of those areas of our lives where we really do have a lot of say. Even if you don't have a ton of money, you know, well, I can't just go out there and, you know, buy a rail car full of food. That's fine. There are still tangible steps that a person could take that strengthen their position, that uh, that give them greater independence and more options than if they didn't do those things. And so it's to that end that we're trying to get people yeah. thinking. Talk to me yeah, about... Yeah, you can always... Oh, go yeah. ahead. Go ahead. Sorry, I was just going to say, you can always... You know, start out small, like have goals where, okay, like this month I have a budget, but I'm going to save a hundred dollars, you know, just set that aside for food storage this month or whatever. And you don't have to buy it all at once, which a lot of people tried to do quite frankly during COVID because they're like, Oh crap, I need to get food storage. But during that time, there was a huge backup because everyone was trying to get their food and people had to wait months and months for their food to come. I, so you know, it's good. Yeah. I Go remember ahead. I remember when the lockdown started and my wife came home from the store when I and she and the kids just went to the store just for something simple. I think they went to go grab some ice cream or something. And she came home and just went, oh, my word. I have never seen anything like that. And this is right when they were announced. <laughs> there were people dragging two and three shopping carts, deer in the headlights, look in their eyes, and panicked. Yeah. Uh, get more toilet paper. Get, get, get more bottled water, you know. And I always kind of prided myself on, well, you know, I don't really need to do that. But you know what? The next morning at 5 a.m., I was standing outside the local grocery store thinking there are a couple of things that I probably should stock up on. There's some dog food that I need and maybe another gallon of milk. And it was really spooky to be standing out there with about 150 other people at 5 a.m., very determined-looking exactly. people, and, and then to go in the store and see shelves stripped, mostly bare. And that's if you haven't seen what panic looks like before, it's, it's pretty ugly. I mean, people were fist-fighting each other in the aisles at some stores over you know the perceived scarcity of things. When you know that you can take care of yourself, you know that you've got um, – you, you have a fallback – you know, in the form of some kind of food storage, you don't have to panic. It may not be, you know, hey, we're going to be having caviar and filet mignon every night, but at least you know those basic needs can be taken care of. Talk to me about some of the yeah. popular um, things that people go with. I know 72-hour kits are a big thing. People in Utah will be, oh, yes, yes, we've heard about those. Um, yeah. Can, can, can you get down to like a 72-hour food supply, you know, with, with some of the, the package deals that are available? Yeah, so there's, I mean, there's, especially here in Utah, there's all sorts of food storage companies. Um, what I do is the ReadyWise brand. Basically, I think the lowest one we have is a seven-day kit, which I think is, I mean, it's around 100 bucks, but it's it's a lot more reliable than a three-day kit, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. But um, the nice thing about this food is it's all freeze-dried. And, um, and you can add water, which is very convenient because a lot of people like, Oh no, like, I don't know how to cook this food or whatever. All you really need to do is add water and then voila, like you can cook it on the stove. Some of it, you just add water and eat it right there. So it's very convenient and it's 
I've eaten it. It's pretty tasty and they'll keep you alive. And, and again, the bottom line here is we're not talking about, uh, okay, staggering through the rubble in rags, you know, <laughs> it's the end of days. It's just, yeah. this is your insurance policy against unforeseen disruptions of whatever they may be, mat- natural or man-made. Um, Kendall, I really appreciate you coming on the show and talking with me about this. I want to send people yeah, one, your way. <clears throat> one final thing. Um, we have a promo code that I just started. It's a 10% off promo code. It's promo code HYDE, H-Y-D-E. Okay, so H-Y-D-E, they put that in, you'll knock 10% off anything that they buy. Okay, yes. the, the link is in the show notes at the uh, brianhydeshow.com. It's lifesavingfood.com. Check it out. This is The Brian Hyde Show. This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. I know it sounds weird, and I'm okay <laughs> if people think I'm strange for, for kind of being into um, food storage and preparedness and things like that. But I, I have to confess something here. I got into food storage, or I should say I finally recognized the um, utility and the, the um, what's the word I'm looking for? I don't want to use the word efficacy because you'll think I'm just trying to be a thesaurus here. But I recognize that there's validity in having those preps in place. And, and it came to me um, right after my oldest daughter was born. So I've been doing this for about 27 years. And it, it wasn't like I had this sudden, oh, res- you know, revelation of, uh, yes, food storage is, is the thing you have to focus on. It was just when that little life entered my marriage and my wife and I found ourselves, you know, caring for a new little child, I realized I am responsible for this child and for any other kids who followed. And by the way, five more kids followed. But that sense of responsibility, um, it, I won't say it, it weighed very heavy on me, but I, I felt the gravity of, of you know, you need to be able to take care of them. You need to be somebody who can, can make sure that they're being provided for. And that was the moment when I started to get kind of serious about, well, then I want to make sure that we have some kind of stores put aside. Now, as newlyweds, you know, we didn't have a, a whole lot of uh, resources to work with or even a whole lot of space in which to store stuff. But I will tell you that consistently keeping an extra store of foods, I mean, I love case lot sales. You know, I'd love to, I love to have the equivalent of a little, a little grocery store out there in my storeroom <laughs> that I can go to and, and I can, uh, you know, um, draw upon when somebody says, hey, we're fixing this dish or that dish. Do we have this? Boy, it just makes me feel proud to say, yes, let me go get you a can of that or let me go grab a, another bag of flour or, you know, another uh, another container of salt or whatever it is that we need. I want you to have that same kind of peace of mind, and that's why I recommend this stuff. Um, you know, by having Kendall on, yes, I realize that's, you know, because this is a conflict of interest. Why, well, that's that's one of your sponsors. And I want him to, to be able to, to sell food storage to people who actually need it. If you're one of those people, please, you know, give him, give him a chance. Take a look. See how competitive his prices are. That 10% discount comes if you enter the code HYDE, H-Y-D-E, at the point of purchase. But more than anything, I want you to understand, with all the stuff that's out of control, this is one of the places where you can have some peace in your, in your life. 
and in your mind. By the way, I'm not going to link it. Um, well, no, I'm not going to link it. I, I found an excellent article that uh, was written by uh, by Connor Boyack's mom, Marilee Boyack, actually. And, and it talked about the importance of not just temporal preparedness, but also spiritual preparedness. So if you were to look up Marilee Boyack, spiritual temporal preparedness, it's a marvelous article. And, and it really shows the balance of, you know, if I don't know what tough times really look like. I, I don't think I've ever lived through really tough times. But as I look at the world around me, I see that there's potential that all the stuff that we enjoy, all the comforts that we have right now, um, they are not guaranteed. So I think it's a really good idea to have some backup plans in place where you can, uh, you know, where you have some options. And one of those things that I think you ought to have in place is, you know, maybe you should have spiritually the kind of things that, that will help you find strength and find purpose in a time where, where other people, you know, may, may be struggling a little bit harder. In fact, you can actually be a source of strength to them. All right. Sorry. That's a hard one to talk about because it's very personal to most people. And I don't want to make it sound like so. If you're not in Sunday school this week, why? <laughs> you know, you're going to suffer more. But there, there's something to be said for, for knowing and calming your heart and understanding, as, as I remember Ammon Bundy saying, the, the day of the, the standoff down there in Bunkerville, um, he came out and spoke with a group of us. And, and the first thing out of his mouth was, gentlemen, we need to calm our hearts and remember who is really in charge. And he was not talking about President Obama. He was talking about the God of this universe. All right, moving on. How can thoughtful people navigate false narratives like, uh, well, for instance, there's such a thing as settled science? Now, I know that uh, that's, that's something we've seen come up a lot with, uh, with COVID over the last 17 months. Joaquin Book has an excellent essay on how no science is ever settled. In fact, I, I really like his take on this. He says he just points out that the sooner we accept the fact that plenty of people are wrong about lots of things, <laughs> the sooner we can stop trying to propagandize each other into submission. He says purity is a poor test for us fallen creatures. Nobody, bar perhaps the occasional Mother Teresa, is that good. Not strictly because we individually fall short of our ideals, but because it's impossible for anyone to reach, establish, or even view the end destination neither in scientific knowledge nor in moral virtues. With the benefit of hindsight, even an imbecile can tell that a genius was wrong. Now, if you state that what we know today is the highest form of completed moral and scientific achievements, he says, you're falling prey to the very same hubris of those who came before you. All but the most progress-minded of them also thought that theirs was the peak of their civilization. Surely nothing could surpass their grand edifices and their supreme discoveries and moral perfections. Well, if today's hypersensitive keyboard warriors at Ivy League universities or opinion sections of major newspapers think they have the moral high ground to thoroughly condemn our times, well, he says they've learned very little from the history they so desperately despise. From Arrow Magazine, Heather Haying appropriately writes, quote, Too many would make themselves judge, jury, and executioner of certain concepts and conversations while claiming to be the sole proprietors of truth. They are engaging in a grand narcissism. They imagine themselves as, for the first time in history, able to see everything. It's akin to declaring themselves God, end quote. 
While King Book says thankfully science and the way it's done has come far from the apostasy-chasing nut jobs that populate our political institutions and social science departments. We learned a long time ago that we can more easily tell what is wrong from what is correct. Often it only takes a single instance of disconfirmation to denounce a grand hypothesis. That's why we do science on the basis of rebutting hypotheses, of disproving our peers' research, and constantly have our own subject to others' critical review. We have natural experiments and randomized control trials, meta-analysis and literature reviews, statistical tests and multivariate regression analysis. He says these are tools that further our understanding of what is and what happens in the world, tools that have problems and can be gamed but nevertheless are improvements over the gut-feeling critical theorist or the arguments from N equals 1 that dominate social discourse. See, science isn't declared by a show of hands. Reality isn't determined in the high court or by a vote in Congress. But if there are enough people with large enough megaphones and powerful enough platforms, it doesn't matter much what science properly interpreted indicates. There is no universal judge to punish you for overstepping your intellectual bounds, and as long as you fool enough others... Queen Circe's advice to her son and heir, Prince Joffrey, still stands. One day you'll sit on the Iron Throne and the truth will be what you make it. See, it was settled science that banning alcohol was a good thing for American society in the 1920s. It was once settled science that the earth was the centerpiece of God's universe. In the highly erudite and Christian 11th century, the settled science for curing headaches was to cut open the scalp of the person desperately in need of aspirin, or the Hippocratic Oath, and add salt. Wow, <laughs> that's a bad time to have a headache. Facts change all the time, wrote Samuel Arbersonman, a complexity scientist formerly at Harvard, in his 2012 Half-Life of Facts, Why Everything We Know Has an Expiration Date. Smoking has gone from doctor-recommended to deadly. Meat used to be good for you, then bad to eat, then good again. Now it's a matter of opinion. None of that is because the underlying reality changed. Smoking was as deadly to the 1950s doctor who thought it harmless as it is to the two packs of fellow today. What happened in between were three things. The evidence that smoking was harmful got better, and as evidence piled up, scientists doing the research gradually changed their minds and new information trickled out to the public. Now, any one of those steps can misfire. Evidence could be muddled or outright fraudulent for a long time. Scientists, being people too, can refuse to accept the evidence or lean against it for a considerable time. And the public can draw the wrong information from scientific results. In a sense, it's more miraculous that we get anything right than it's surprising that the majority of all research findings are false. By the way, the links in this article are numerous and extremely informative. So how does a thoughtful person navigate this? Well, he says, if you march for scientists, you're probably march for science. Rather, you're probably not a scientist. If you think democracy is a safeguard for science, you haven't been paying attention. If you think science is when people of authority agree, you're not just naive, he says, but heavily deluded. So he says, stop venerating science in the singular and start embracing its core, plural and contentious ethos, which is this. That plenty of people are wrong about almost everything, all the time, even perhaps especially those who have lots to lose. What a fantastic article. It is in the show notes at thebrianhydeshow.com. These are show notes for July 23rd. This is The Brian Hyde Show.
This is The Brian Hyde Show. All right, welcome back to the show. Just a quick shout-out to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage. If you are one of the people lucky enough to be moving to the Intermountain West, and specifically moving to Utah, in fact, specifically moving to Southern Utah, wow, are you in luck. Because if you're looking for a home, if you're looking for a mortgage, and I'm talking a VA loan, traditional loan, reverse mortgage, maybe you just want to refinance your existing home, you've got to talk to the Heather Turner team at Patriot Home Mortgage, 619 South Bluff Street, Tower 1 and 2 in St. George, Utah. Heather's NMLS ID is 715386. Patriot Home Mortgage is an equal housing opportunity lender. Bottom line is, Heather is the one you want on your side to make things happen when time is of the essence. You notice homes don't stay on the market for very long these days? Yeah. You find one you like, you probably better get it done and done quickly. All right. That said, let's move on here to another topic of discussion. I know uh, propaganda has has kind of become a a great buzzword, and and for some people, maybe myself included, I'm using it a lot for, well, I disagree with this, therefore it must be propaganda. But I, I feel pretty confident in saying that the prosecutorial passion play that we see taking place over the January 6th <clears throat> insurrection at the Capitol is a perfect example of official make-believe. And there was a terrific article from James Bovard that uh, has a marvelous take on the coming January 6th train wreck. Bottom line here is the DOJ's first sentencing, they sent a guy to prison for eight months That was an enhanced penalty because he trespassed and took a selfie standing inside the Senate chambers. Okay, he attacked no one. He broke nothing. He just trespassed. But apparently, if you have bad thoughts and you uh, anger your government overlords while having bad thoughts, in their opinion, that is domestic terrorism. But the legal realities are going to be disappointing with the left's lust for blood, says James Bovard. He says the January 6th Capitol clash may be the gift that keeps on giving to cynics everywhere. In the coming months, Americans will likely see jaw-dropping bureaucratic debacles, stunning abuses by federal prosecutors, and appalling bloodlust by angry Biden supporters. Perhaps the least likely outcome is that the coming train wreck will restore faith in American democracy. The Justice Department declared last week the investigation and prosecution of the Capitol breach will be the largest in American history, both in terms of the number of defendants prosecuted and the nature and volume of the evidence. So the feds are sorting through 237,000 digital tips, 1 million parlor videos and images comprising 40 terabytes of data scraped from the Internet. Just to put that in perspective, that's roughly equivalent to 10 million photos, 20,000 hours of video, or 50,000 filing cabinets of paper documents, according to the Washington Post. Investigators are also sorting through cell tower data for thousands of electronic devices that connected to the Capitol's interior distributed antenna system. Information provided by phone companies, Google, and other data aggregation companies. And the problem will be compounded because many government employees are slow readers. More than 500 protesters have already been charged in federal court, but their trials will likely be delayed at least until next year. Federal Judge John Bates recently warned that evidence snafus could result in judges going on the warpath. If judges conclude that the Justice Department is unreasonably keeping January 6th defendants locked up, often in solitary confinement, too long, judicial edicts could unravel prosecutors' long-term plans. 
Federal cases against January 6th protesters are being built on what one savvy electronic evidence consultant called a Tower of Babel nightmare. So while federal agents gloated at the 300,000 plus tips that poured into the FBI with regards to January 6th protesters, prosecutors are obliged to sift the hairballs and provide each defendant and their lawyers with potentially exculpatory evidence. And he says the biggest data dump on record will likely spur a deluge of inadvertent or intentional withholding of evidence. The Justice Department recently notified defense lawyers they would have to build a system to receive the data the feds delivered. And the prosecution's also whining because a federal judge prevented them from relying on a private contractor to organize secret grand jury evidence. Interestingly enough, James Bovard points out the Justice Department may be delaying release of the bulk of more than 14,000 hours of video surveillance from inside the Capitol on January 6th in an attempt to preserve Biden's domestic terrorism storyline of that day's events. See, even before Trump supporters poured into the Capitol that day, Democrats were accusing them of sedition for filing legal challenges to the 2020 election results, including popular Twitter hashtags like hashtag GOP seditious traitors and hashtag treason against America. After the mob delayed congressional proceedings for six hours, congressional leaders compared the interruption to the 9-11 attacks, Pearl Harbor and the War of 1812. Like I say, melodrama. (laughs) The Justice Department may also be foot-dragging on releasing evidence because it's reluctant to disclose what role, if any, federal informants or undercover agents had in instigating or propagating violence that day. So for January 6th defendants, James Bovard says, federal prosecutors are using a simple formula. Trespassing plus thought crimes equals terrorism. On Monday, Paul Hodgkins was sentenced to eight months in prison, though the feds admitted he was guilty simply of taking selfies, wearing a Trump shirt and carrying a Trump flag into the Senate chamber and did not personally engage or espouse engage in or espouse violence or property destruction. Though Hodgkins pled guilty to only one count of obstructing an official proceeding. Biden's Justice Department demanded a lengthy prison sentence for Hodgkins to, quote, deter domestic terrorism. This is akin to prosecutors seeking a harsh punishment for a confessed jaywalker because his negligent behavior could have caused a school bus to crash. Now, at the same time, the Justice Department is bumbling towards paralysis. Many Americans are howling for the heads of the January 6th defendants. In his Gulag Archipelago, Alexander Solzhenitsyn described the vast public outrage that went along with a prominent Soviet show trial of accused wreckers. There were universal meetings and demonstrations, even including schoolchildren. It was the newspaper March of Millions, and the roar rose outside the windows of the courtroom. Death! 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 Well, the same spectacle has been stark on Twitter and in the comments section of the Washington Post, among other places. One Washington Post commenter declared the only effective way for government to respond to an act of war by domestic terrorists is to be prepared to meet them with machine guns and flamethrowers and mow them down. Not one of the terrorists who broke through police lines on January 6th should have escaped alive. Wow. It's it's astonishing to think that there are people like that running around among us. I hope they got their medication. Hodgkin's sentence, says James Bovard, terrified and enraged post readers. One wrote, the pitiful eight month sentence scares me badly. I'm afraid the government is losing its ability to to protect us from madmen. 
consider the mentally ill and tweakers roaming our streets untweeted and right-wing Q-inspired terrorists. Another commented he should have been given the death penalty for sedition. As always, one commenter even reached back to the Nazis for an analogy, writing, It is comparable to the nine months that Adolf Hitler served after his participation in an attempted 1923 putsch against the German government. Remember how that turned out? Federal Judge Randolph Moss, when he sentenced Hodgkins, declared that his action will make it harder for all of us to tell our children and grandchildren that democracy stands as the immutable foundation of our nation. Oh, does it? Hmm. Unfortunately, judges seem nonchalant when American democracy is subverted instead by federal agencies. After FBI Assistant General Counsel Kevin Kleinsmith admitted falsifying key evidence to get a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump presidential campaign, federal judge James Boesberg gushed with sympathy at the sentencing hearing. Mr. Kleinsmith has lost his job in government service. What has given his life much of its meaning? Scorning the recommendation of the federal prosecutor, who said the resulting harm is an is immeasurable recommendation from Kleinsmith's action, Bozberg gave Kleinsmith a wrist slap, 400 hours of community service, and 12 months of probation. The Justice Department Inspector General documented many other abuses of power and deceit by FBI officials in the Hillary Clinton or Trump investigations, but not a single FBI official has spent a day behind bars. Will Justice Department prosecutors be caught in a catch-22, pressured by the White House to harvest as many scalps as possible, but crippled by the lack of proof that most of the accused were guilty of anything besides trespassing or willfully and knowfully parading or knowingly parading in the Capitol? That's a crime, you know. Political pressure for high-profile convictions resulted in disastrous courtroom defeats for federal attorneys prosecuting Ruby Ridge, the Branch Davidian standoff at Waco, and other cases. If juries rebuff prosecutors on more than a few January 6th cases, well, the entire political storyline could quickly collapse. James Bovard says federal prosecutor Mona Sedke is calling for harsh punishment for January 6th defendants because of the need to preserve respect for the law. But he says at this point, respect for the law is a lost leader in this process. That won't be remedied when the people realize that taking selfies can result in a federal sentencing enhancement. This is The Brian Hyde Show.